2: hip hip hooray yes the carolina panthers have hired a new cheerleader now there are very few things on the planet earth um, that are more useless than an nfl cheerleader at least they're they are useless if you actually think that their job is to lead cheers Everybody, with the possible exception of some of the cheerleaders themselves, um, has always known that the cheerleaders are there to be looked at. That's why they wear those outfits that show a lot of skin. But uh, this new Carolina Panthers cheerleader is special. Justine Lindsay is the first openly transgender cheerleader in NFL history. Hey, it's Pride Month in case you hadn't heard. And the NFL is always willing to uh, jump on board with the latest in wokeism. The Panthers director of cheerleading said that Justine was not hired because she's actually a he, but because of his cheerleading talent. Again, nobody has ever cared about an NFL cheerleader's talent, okay? (laughs) And the next cheer that an NFL cheerleader leads will be the first. So we are now a week into Pride Month, and there are lots of opportunities for lots of people and lots of corporations to show just how woke they are And the NFL was not going to pass on an opportunity to contribute to the transgender insanity. And Justine is the first, but not the last, uh, transgender cheerleader. You can bet on that. And, of course, the addition of transgender cheerleaders will only add to the game day experience for the drunken fans who show up every Sunday. Meanwhile, uh, speaking of insanity, have you noticed all the drag queen events popping up during Pride Month? There was one in Dallas at a bar. It was called Drag Your Kids to Pride. And uh, the kiddies were treated to ugly men dressed up as even uglier women dancing around like strippers. And when we come back, we're going to talk to a freelance journalist who went undercover into that bar. He produced a video that went viral. It made it onto Tucker Carlson's show last night. He'll tell us all about his experience. And then in our second half hour, we're going to have a guy who testified in front of Congress about what he saw. Back on January 6 2021, he said he saw a lot of FBI plants and not the kind you put in a pot, by the way. He'll tell us what to expect when the Democrats go to prime time with their hearing Thursday night. Stick around.
3: Thanks, sweetie. So wherever you are in your retirement savings journey, head to aceyourretirement.org and start chatting with Avo today. That's aceretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council.
0: Are you kidding me? Gas prices are up again? Somebody has to do something. Well, someone did. That's why I use Upside. Upside, what's that? It's a free app that pays you back real money for every gallon of gas or diesel you buy. I just earned 25 cents back on every gallon of this tank. Hold on. So the Upside app is free and you actually get cash back every time you use it? No strings attached? Yep, it's awesome. Check it out. It
4: only takes a couple of minutes to sign up. Instead of just watching your dollars go into your tank, start putting money back into your wallet with the free app from Upside. With the price of gas today, it's big news and big money. To cash out of your Upside cash, just transfer it to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card. Upside users have already earned over $200 million. Now it's your turn. Download the free Upside app and start getting cash back in every gallon of gas. Use promo code SALEM for an extra 25 cents per gallon cash back in your first fill-up. That's promo code SALEM. Remember, use promo code SALEM for an extra 25 cents per gallon back in your first fill up
5: where are your family's old film reels videotapes and photos are they sitting in dusty shoeboxes and neglected bins at risk of completely fading away digitizing your aging media with LegacyBox box is the safe and easy way to preserve and pass down your family's legacy Simply send your Legacy Box kit filled with old home movies and pictures. Legacy Box does the rest, converting your moments to DVD or digital. Legacy Box has been trusted by over 1 million families and has over 10,000 five-star reviews. Be your family's hero. Unlock the memories trapped on VHS, camcorder tapes, and 8mm reels. Experience the joy and excitement of re-watching your wedding day, baby's first steps, and Christmas mornings. Feel relief knowing all those cherished moments are safe from fires and water damage. The Legacy Box Father's Day event is happening now. Go to LegacyBox.com slash LBOX to save 50%. Legacy Box is great for your family or as a gift for dad. That's LegacyBox.com slash LBOX for 50% off. LegacyBox.com slash LBOX.
0: The John Steigerwall Show. AM 1250. The Answer.
2: Well, unless you've been in a coma for the last few days and didn't know it, June is Pride Month, as in LGBTQI2A+. I hope I didn't leave a letter out there. There's some new ones in there. But anyway, drag queens uh, have become a big part of the promotion campaign for them. And a bar in Dallas put on an event over the weekend called Drag Your Kids to Pride, and videos from it have gone viral. Taylor Hanson is an independent journalist down there, and he went undercover to the event and let it all out of the bag. He joins us now. Taylor, thanks for coming on.
6: Of course. Thank you for having me on, sir.
2: So what can you tell us about the bar that hosted this event? Where it is, what kind of neighborhood it's in, what it was like?
6: Yeah, so this bar is called Mr. Misters, and it is actually a gay nightclub. Um, and on the walls, that you've probably seen the pictures, they have neon signs that say, lick me all over. Uh, I licked it so it's mine. Um, just very perverted signs on these walls visible for all to see. And it's located in actually Dallas, Texas, and it's in what we call the Gayborhood. So it's essentially a location. It has rainbow murals all over. Um, and it's a designated—it's called Uplift. They, they basically use a designated gay area. You have all the gay bars. You have all the gay clubs. Um, really, all that just takes place in that one pocket of Dallas. And that's where this event ends up being hosted at. That
2: that's, uh, sounds like a great place for the kids, uh, the, the bar there. Um, I, I noticed on the video that, that you dressed the part— I think you had a nice pink dress on uh, when you went to this
6: place. Did anybody catch yes, on to are. what you were doing? Yeah, so I uh, I do a lot of undercover work in the past. I you know I infiltrate Antifa, I infiltrate extremist groups and get information and videos. And this one was no different. As, you know these people are all very gullible on the left. Um, and I mean all around the board, honestly. And uh, you don't really expect people to to go undercover or to at least dress the part. And for this event, I actually went to Target. And they had a gay pride section. I bought a trans color tutu, some uh, knee-high trans socks, and a pronoun shirt. And I threw that on and attended. And they thought I was one of them. I was getting compliments on my tutu the whole time. Uh, I mean, they loved me up until the point of where the show was ended. And then I started confronting attendees afterwards and letting them know, hey, I was undercover. I just exposed your uh, your pedophilia child grooming problem. Uh, do you have any comments on it? So yeah, they, they really... Uh, they have no idea. And the thing is, is you can do this over and over again. You just tweak your disc. And they truly have no idea. Um, so anyone can do this. Anyone can dress up and go undercover and expose these kind of events.
2: Uh, I like the tutu. Oh, that's a nice touch. Uh, two, I, I've, I don't know if I'd be able to Pick out a two-two, but uh, I give you credit yeah, for being. The, able-
6: uh, it's a necessary sacrifice.
0: <laughs>
6: All it took to expose it was a little bit of cross dressing, right? <laughs> yeah.
2: So, so what? What was it like in the bar? Uh, was it mostly adults who brought their kids? Just give me a little description of what it, I've seen the video. Maybe some people are about this for the first time.
6: Yeah. So I'd say it was about ninety percent uh, women, uh, at least parents-wise. Um, you had a few, you know, men in there, but typically men don't really enjoy exposing their uh, children to other men's genitals. So the, the the trend kind of seemed to be the good majority of, you know, single women or gay women that were together with their girlfriend or their wife. And uh, you had, I would say, about 11, 12 kids there in total. And these kids probably all under the age of 10. Um, and one individual sitting next to me, uh, really gut renting, honestly, it was like the worst experience I've had through this entire event because I'm sitting at the bar and there's a child sitting at the bar next to me, which is illegal in the state of Texas because they were actually serving alcohol. And, uh, I overhear this conversation, this gay bartender is talking to this child and he says, no, I'm not gay. And his mom pipes in or what I assume was his mom. And she says, don't let him lie to you. He is gay. He's just lying. And this kid, his reaction said it all. I mean, he just shut down completely. I watched him throughout the entire show, and he uh, solved the one Rubik's Cube three times. He would unsolve it just to solve it again so we didn't have to watch this degeneracy. And then he went on and he just played his Nintendo the rest of the time. He did not want to be there. And, I mean, that was a, the highest form of child abuse I think I have ever seen. I mean, his, this kid is openly saying, I don't identify this way. I'm not gay. I like girls. And his mom is telling this gay bartender at this gay bar,
2: that he actually is gay. It's child abuse. Um, so, uh, and, and I, the video, the the uh, the performers, if that's what I guess you're supposed to call them, um, they were dressed um, provocatively, I guess, almost like strippers before they strip, and ah. they were d- dancing, uh, with, you know, sexually uh, provocative dancing, uh, doing splits, and I, I just as an aside here. I, 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 I just don't get the, the drag queen thing because, I mean, obviously it doesn't appeal to me, but the, most of them are excruciatingly ugly. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and the, the harder they try with the makeup, the uglier they get. I, I don't understand who, who it appeals to. Or are they supposed so, to be ugly? and they, I'll,
6: they, I'll tell you who it appeals to. Is it, it appeals to the mentally ill of our society nowadays. It's, it's people that aren't comfortable enough in their own bodies and their own personality that they have to dress and act a completely different way. And that's what you see with all these men that were dressed as women at this show. I mean, a lot of these people are confirmed prostitutes. They all host OnlyFans. I mean, these people hate themselves, and they this, uh these kids' drag shows and drag in general as a sort of a self-healing kind of mechanism that they do. They say that it boosts confidence and that it, it really just raises the aspects and the overall goodness of their life. So they use this to basically cope with their mental illness, and in doing so, they drag children into it, and it just causes a million times more problems.
2: Uh, we've had, uh, there's been some uh, cases here of drag queen events. Uh, one of the libraries here had, you know, drag queen story hour or something, and uh, I think it, I think when attention was brought to it, it kind of went away. Um, mm-hmm. but, but these are everywhere, aren't they, these kind of events?
6: Oh, yes, sir. Yeah, you can find them. I mean, you can just Google them. I mean, at this point, is there's so many child's drag kids events being hosted around the country, not just in, you know, California, where you might expect something like this. I mean, this one was hosted in Dallas, Texas. It was 20 minutes away from where I live. And, you know, I've already got another child's drag show that I intend to expose later on this week. I mean, so there is no shortage of these child drag shows. And thankfully, the, uh, one of our local uh, congressmen, after this is the only time I've ever actually seen journalism lead to legislation being drafted. And what we did when we went undercover and how we exposed that event is we had a congressman actually essentially draft a bill to make it illegal in the state of Texas for children to attend child drag shows. And we're really working on pushing that through right now because it's becoming rampant out here.
2: Yeah, I saw that uh, that uh, uh, a state rep uh, already has uh, proposed a law. Was that yeah? And
6: Marjorie uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Matt Gates, and other congressmen are also talking about it as well. So hopefully they can uh, they can join in and we can really push this through.
2: Was this a result of your work, or, that, or was there any other media coverage for this?
6: Uh, it was a, yeah. It was a direct result of of mine, John Doyle's, and Aldo uh, Budazzoni's work.
2: We're talking to Taylor Hanson, and you. Uh, you're. I'm calling you an independent journalist. Is that good enough, or do. You, or is there some? Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, that, I mean, that's nothing wrong with that. Um, so, uh, you did. You interviewed some of the performers, uh, and they seemed to make it pretty clear that this was a pretty good recruiting tool. That uh, mm-hmm. they, they they knew exactly what was going on, and they loved the whole concept of the kiddies being there.
6: Yeah, when they were asked about. Uh essentially about the grooming of children. I mean, they said it was a positive thing that these child drag shows will in the future equate to more children identifying, you know, being drag and participating in, in adult drag shows and being drag stars themselves. I mean, we've seen this this culture. I mean, it, it's like a cancer in our society right now. It's, these people are taking advantage of kids, and they will not stop, and they're not apologizing about it. I mean, this is their platform as children, Is they're trying to change the future generations, if you can change and flip one generation, this country is over. If you can turn one generation into a bunch of groomers and child molesters, like a lot of these drag queens are, then we have a serious problem here.
2: And, and what they what they described to you when you were talking to them about it is the definition of grooming, isn't it?
6: Oh, yeah, by definition. I mean, by the textbook definition, it was, uh, it was grooming. And, you know, they're, they're open about it. They know they groom children, but they don't care. They, they uh, hide it under the guise of mental health even though that's the last thing on their priority list because, I mean, they dress as a woman and they're actually a man and they shake it for little children. Um, but no, it was it was truly terrifying to, to see those reactions mm-hmm. and to hear those drag queens say what they did because they're openly admitting it now. It's, yeah, we're grooming children and there's nothing you can do about
2: it. Now, your, I saw your video. Um, I don't know whether I saw it first on Twitter or if I saw it somewhere else. Uh, I think I saw it on Twitter, but it might have been put up by some other, you know, by a website or by some other media outlet. But um, I, I you, you shot this video. How did it get from you to the media? What was the media reaction to you when you when you said to them, hey, I got this video. Who wanted to
6: see it? Who didn't? Um, are you referring to the drag queen video? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that video was actually originally pushed through Flecka's talk and Fleck has kind of initially made that video go viral, and then it just naturally took off afterwards. Um, But, yeah, Aldo did an overall amazing job with that situation. I mean, and these these people, the thing is, is stuff like this, it usually gets censored. It usually gets taken down almost immediately by Twitter. But we had multiple people there. We had protesters there we were in contact with. We had multiple undercover people, me, Aldo, Isabella, and that's really what kind of blew the lid off of it, especially when Alex Stein came and, you know, he was causing a scene on the outside announcing that, hey, they're, they're grooming children in there. So really what I think, you know, caused this all just to really get the coverage that it deserves is the unity that we saw on the right this last week. We weren't busy fighting each other. We weren't busy arguing over, you know, what's next. Is We all came together, you know, in in coalition to expose one single event and it turned out great.
2: So you, you live in Dallas and so I, I, it's, I agree with you, but the the, the right uh, wing, the conservative media, uh, picked this up, and it's it's been it's gone viral uh, in, from among that group. But what about? In, you live in Dallas, so what about the local reaction to it? What about the, the Dallas TV stations? They did they touch
6: it? Yeah, the the uh, so the police department, of course, doesn't want anything to do with
4: this event. I mean,
6: they were actively defending groomers the entire time. We. They were aware that children were in there sitting at a bar with adults, men dancing. And this is a sexual orientated, orientated business because it's a gay bar. And, you know, under a bill that was drafted quite a few years ago, that's illegal. It's illegal for those children to be in there. Um, but the cops did not care. Instead, they allowed the uh, attendees and the groomers to assault protesters and Catholic protesters on multiple accounts without any consequences. And on top of that, I mean, they just
3: continued
6: and continued to push it. But there was no real reaction from the police department other than them actually defending the people that were inside those buildings. And from the local community, it's been huge, actually, is as I manage a store and I have, you know, I have a lot of regulars that come in, a lot of random people. And I actually I've had over 10 people come up to me and be like, hey, you know, we saw what you did on the news. This is insane. I can't believe this is happening in the state of Texas. You know, this is just in one tiny local community outside of Dallas that is seeing this. You know, so the state of Texas, I mean, it's sent a ripple effect all throughout the state and honestly the country right now.
2: So so like well, I guess what I'm getting at is the, lo- the 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 local TV news outlets. Are they covering it?
6: Yeah, some of the local ones are uh, some of the left leaning sources. Of course, they don't want to cover it unless they're taking the angle of angry protesters show up yeah. and demonize children. I mean, we've seen some stories locally about that. Um, but overall, the local response has actually been pretty positive.
2: And so um, I, I, I saw that you, you, uh, you mentioned the the Antifa people were there. And I did see, uh, I think you just referred to it, the people were begging the cops to do something about it or at least asking the cops to comment on it. And they just they wouldn't say a word. They were being screamed at. Hey, you know what go, what's going on in there? And they, they don't they didn't care. Now, do they not care because they don't care or do they not care because they, there's nothing they can do about it?
6: Well, there was absolutely something they could do about it. You know, we were on the phone with TABC. We were reporting that there was minors in an underage, I mean, in an establishment that was 21 years old older that was sexual oriented, so it was illegal, and that you had men dancing for children and children throwing money. So really, it just came down to a we don't care thing. This isn't our priority. We're just here to kind of control the crowd, is what they said. That's why they said they were there, was to basically perform crowd control, but they didn't help out. I mean, the only thing that Dallas PD actually did is they quite literally helped the groomers get away with assault. I only saw and interacted with one good officer there, and that was after my girlfriend was spat on and assaulted by a Southwest Airlines employee, and uh, he actually pulled my girlfriend aside and said, hey, would you like to file a police report? I saw what happened, and she did. So that was the only cop that really cared to uh, reach out to people that had been assaulted multiple times that day and actually file anything. But I, you know, I had talked to multiple cops about filing a police report. They said, yeah, we'll get back to you later. Or they just completely brushed me off.
2: We're talking to Taylor Hanson. He's an independent journalist down in Dallas. Uh, he went undercover to a uh, drag event for kids in Dallas. And that video has gone viral. Taylor, where can people find uh, the video if they haven't seen it yet? If they want to go to your Twitter feed?
6: Yeah, you can go to at Taylor USA on Twitter. And then it's spelled T-A-Y-L-E-R, USA, And it's all one word. You can find it there, or even if you just look up the keywords on Twitter, "child drag show." A lot of my videos and my other partners will show up as well.
2: Now, I, you were you interviewed, uh, you tried to talk to some Antifa people, and uh, all they yeah. did was give you the finger. You asked them a question, and they had their masks on, and they just gave you the finger. I saw. Yeah, I,
6: I asked them if they could defend what took place inside of that building today, and none of them uh, cared to care to even give me one comment other than like you said, the finger and and to call me a, uh, a few bad words. But other than that, you know, they weren't interested in engaging with anybody unless it was assaulting them.
2: Yeah, and uh, it's interesting. Um, I don't know if you know about this, but the Milwaukee Brewers, uh, I think it's either tomorrow night or Thursday night, they have a uh, drag event planned for the pregame show that, in honor oh, of goodies. Pride Month. And. It's great though. A radio disc jockey, there, not disc jockey, a news guy at a at a, a talk show host. He sent a uh, a message to the to the team, and he published it. And what he did was he said, "Listen, if you're going to have these drag queen uh, drag queens dancing and, and you know doing what kind of like a strip strip tease act, uh, I would like to do a." body positivity demonstration and bring in real strippers and have them do the have women do the same dance that these men are doing wouldn't that be nice and I don't think he's gotten a response yet but that would what do you think the response to that would be absolutely not
3: yeah and that's
6: the thing is the environment inside of that gay club with these drags and these kids it, it was that of a strip club yeah and it would I mean there is no other way to describe it it is a strip club for children in this situation. And there is literally no difference. I mean, you look at the laws behind strip clubs. You can't bring a child into a strip club. So why can't you bring them into a gay bar to watch men who are dressing as women dance?
2: And and the, what about the confusion for a kid, a, a young boy? Listen, if, when I was 10 or 12, I don't know if I was old enough to, to have appreciated a, a woman coming in and jumping around like that in those clothes. I probably would have thought it was—I probably would have gotten something good out of it for me. You know, I would have thought it was pretty cool. But— <laughs> These kids, what are they? What are they supposed to think of it? It's it's got to be confusing to them.
6: Yeah, I mean it's terrible, and, and you can see the confusion on a lot of the kids' faces that uh, attended that event. And and sadly, is a lot of these kids aren't confused about this topic. At least they don't think so, because their parents have taught them to believe in in this topic. You know, to believe in transgenderism. I mean, a lot of these kids were wearing, you know, trans shirts. I mean, tra- uh, Texas Protects Trans Kids shirts, things like this. You know. These kids are being identified as trans by their parents when they're just normal kids that have terrible parents that are teaching them the wrong ideology and grooming them.
2: It's sick, and I'm glad you exposed it, um, Taylor, and I hope to have you on again sometime. I'll be following your work. Taylor Hanson, thank you.
6: Thank you for having me on.
2: You have a wonderful night. You too. We'll be right back.
4: With SRN News, I'm John Scott.
0: Pressure grows on lawmakers in D.C. and across the country over the issue of guns as mass shootings plague the country.
3: Gunshots ring out in Philly Saturday. Three dead, 11 wounded. One of many mass shootings over the weekend across the country. In Chicago, five people were killed. Another two by gunfire. Superintendent David Brown.
2: How many more acts of senseless
1: mass shootings? I don't know what we will we'll get a yes in Congress.
3: In D.C., a bipartisan group of lawmakers are trying to reach a compromise on gun reform. Speaking yesterday, Republican Senator John Cornyn from Texas, where an 18-year-old killed 21 at an elementary school, said targeted reform is needed. I'm Julie Walker.
0: The World Bank has sharply downgraded its outlook for the global economy, pointing to Russia's war against Ukraine and the prospect of widespread food shortages. Enjoy! With America in crisis and lies abounding everywhere, we thought it was a good time to provide the antidote. That's why this radio station partnered with the all-new Salem News Channel. All the hosts you've come to know and trust on this station are right there on TV. Same great lineup, only now you get to watch as well as listen. Download the app on your Apple or Android device. Watch us on Roku or on SalemNewsChannel.com. On the radio, we're right here. On TV, we're right there. SNC is the antidote to the mainstream media.
2: Summer is almost here and the open road awakes. This is John Stoggerwald, and Pit Cycles has what you're looking for. Choose from a huge selection of 136 models from Indian, Triumph, KTM, Royal Enfield and more. Plus, some big exciting changes coming just around the bend. Get your trade in value in seconds at pitcycles.com and see just how easy it is to take your ride to a whole new level. Pit Cycles in Warrendale
4: next to Jurgles. Reserve now and beat the rush at pitcycles.com. Pit Cycles! Happened. Now I take Relief Factor every day. Almost 70% of the more than half a million people who have tried Relief Factor end up ordering more. That's because it works for them the way it worked for me. Isn't it time for you to get out of pain? Your first step to becoming pain-free should be to order the three-week quick start for the discounted price of only nineteen ninety-five. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF to find out more about this offer. Feel the difference.
0: AM 1250 dnfm 92.5 the answer wpgp pittsburgh two two three cs pittsburgh a division of salem media group listen on the answer mobile app smart speakers tune in iheart or odyssey stuck in traffic we've got the answer
5: Finishing out our Tuesday rush hour with several delays. Parkway East on the inbound side. Heavy delays 2nd Avenue to the Fort Pitt Bridge. Outbound busy from Oakland up to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. Parkway West stacking up now on the inbound side between Greentree and the Fort Pitt Tunnel. Outbound 51, delay of about 5 minutes as you approach Stewart Avenue. Outbound 28, busy from Route 8 to Delafield Avenue. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson.
0: AM 1250. The answer, weather. We'll see an evening thunderstorm, otherwise, mostly cloudy skies for tonight, the low 56. Tomorrow, partly sunny, tomorrow's high, 78. Tomorrow night will be overcast with showers, the low 56. A refreshing morning breeze Thursday, otherwise, times of clouds and sun. Expect a high Thursday of 71. Friday, we'll see mostly cloudy skies and a high of 71. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. This is the John Walt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer.
2: Last night on his show, uh, Tucker Carlson announced that he'll be on at his usual time Thursday night, which is interesting because that's when the Democrats are putting their January 6th hearing on prime time. Smart move by Fox. But uh, what will J. Michael Waller be watching Thursday night? He's the senior analyst for strategy at the Center for Security. And he caused quite a stir when he testified in front of Congress about what he saw that day, and he joins us now. Uh, Thanks for being here, Michael. Good to be with you, John. So um, let's recap uh, for people who have forgotten what you observed that day. Uh, I know that we don't have all day to do it. We don't have have a lot of time here, but if you can give us the Cliff Notes version uh, of what you observed that day and what you did with those observations.
7: Well, first, remember the narrative that that was being promoted that day was that this was a violent riot that President Trump personally incited, that it was a spontaneous outburst to purposely attack the Capitol. That was the line at the time. What I saw in person was that this was pre-organized by groups, various types of sort of paramilitary paramilitary militia-type groups. Some people wearing MAGA gear, but who were acting very strangely and so forth. And, and 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 I was raked over the coals for this and called a conspiracy theorist and a liar and all, all the typical stuff because it broke the narrative that some, somehow this was pre-planned. It was obviously pre-planned. We just didn't know by whom. Well, now you have even members of the January 6th committee saying now, this was all pre-planned. Well, of course it was, but that's not what they were saying at the time. So their narrative has been changing all along to the point where now you have one of the prominent members of the January 6th Commission, Congressman Jamie Raskin of Maryland, coming out and saying this is why we have to change the Electoral College and get rid of it. That's so you not- can see there's a there's a lot more behind just using January 6th to uh, to really change our way of government.
2: Right, and it's interesting too what you did. Uh, we had you on the show here not long after you uh, you observed what you observed, uh, and you made sure that you did not allow yourself to be. Um, influenced by what you might see on the media, explain how you did that.
7: Sure. Well, I was there. I, I live on Capitol Hill, so I'm I'm around the Capitol a lot, and I worked in the House and the Senate before, and uh, and knew a lot of the Capitol police. So so I get tired of these protests and everything, but this time just decided uh, it was late in the morning. I might as well go. I need a, I needed a boost and meet some just you know real Americans one last time in, in, in Washington D.C. And so so uh, we went out and we walked up toward the White House. And by that time, crowds were walking toward the Capitol building. So we just joined the crowds and walked back toward the Capitol building and saw uh, the police were very relaxed. They were not on great alerts. The city had, even though there were 11 permits that were issued. So if you want to have a protest, you have to request a permit from the city so they know how to deploy police and porta potties and all that other stuff. And, and all the authorities were relaxed. And we talked to some of them on the way up. They were, some of them were actually listening to president Trump's speech. They were huddled around a a phone or a radio or something. And then, um, no, no real alerts. And then, but among the people, normal Americans among the people were these small groups of three or four, uh, younger guys wearing, uh, tactical gear and helmets and then some others who were wearing MAGA gear, but they didn't really fit in. Cause everybody was friendly. Uh, they were, yeah, sure, upset with the uh, the counts of the of the electoral votes, but they they were, as I wrote in the article, they were being happy and in a festive mood and just sort of excited to be in Washington D.C. And uh, but you'd see these small cells of people moving through at a very fast pace and not socializing at all. And, and those were the ones who ended up being the troublemakers, but we could see it at the time. So I, I used to be a journalist. So after this whole thing, I, I stayed to observe the whole thing. And then I went back home and spent the next 12 hours writing down my observations and going through through my, my phone to, to track the video and the images and the place and time that I saw things occur before I'd read any news articles or, and then sort of contaminate my own memory. And so, it was those notes that ended up being published in The Federalist and got uh, a whole lot of attention.
2: And and y- what, so after you went back and you wrote down your observations without checking out what was being said in the media, wh- how right. did, how, what was the difference that you saw in, in the media coverage as it compared to what you had written down without being influenced by what the media had been saying?
7: Sure. Well, the media coverage was... Tens of thousands of insurrectionists, or even tens of thousands of armed insurrectionists. I was standing 60 feet away from the Capitol, and I I could see there were scuffles up front, and then we could see from the more dramatic footage that they were much more than scuffles. But from where I was standing, just 60 feet away, it just looked like a big scuffle. The people were not angry. They weren't uh, violent. They uh, they, They were fine until the Capitol Police started firing tear gas and uh, flash grenades into the crowd, like where we were standing, where there was no trouble at all. And they did this for over 20 minutes. And I, we got video of it. In fact, some of my video was on Tucker's show. And the, uh, but still the people didn't didn't respond. There were agitators in the crowd. These were organized guys. Uh, so, you know, late 60s or so, maybe the l- later Vietnam but. Age guys, they had some sort of military demeanor to them, and then the younger ones, and they were coordinating to bring people in because the crowd is still coming in from the White House by the tens of thousands into a very small area, and people were getting squeezed. But everybody was pretty much in a good mood, with, apart from the occasional uh, troublemaker. And uh, but then you could see the organized groups suddenly emerge and go into formation and climbing up the uh, inaugural platform scaffolding. And slash away at the at the vinyl covering of of that, and then finally, ultimately, going up the stairs of the Capitol itself, which was their attack on the Senate Chamber. But there were uh, there were individuals who were posted in various places, using they had different colored tape on their hats or helmets or jackets, and they and some of them had radios. The cell phones weren't working because there were so many people concentrated, and flags, and they were using that system to communicate with one another to try to get the whole crowd up the stairs. And apart from some curious guys or some people who went up just because they thought it was going to be fun or just like, you know, you're at a rock concert or a, or a tailgate party or something, you're going to do something really dumb that you wouldn't normally do. Yeah. Those kinds of people did follow up, and they were the ones who went inside the Capitol and ended up getting in trouble. Now, the, when you say... They, org- they weren't there to commit acts of violence, though, apart from the few organizers.
2: Yeah, well, the organizers, were they... Um, all right-wing organizers that were or were they people who were trying who were disguised possibly as being uh, MAGA people who wanted to draw attention to them in, in, in a negative way?
7: Yeah, you, that was a big question and that's what we got pilloried for uh, from from when, when I wrote this and then Senator Johnson all he did was, Ron Johnson of Wisconsin in the first Senate investigative hearing, he simply quoted from my article. He, he read it into the record of, of the hearing, yeah. Right, and it was accepted by unanimous consent, which meant even Chuck Schumer and, and all the Democrats agreed. And this was the first eyewitness account to be put into the congressional investigation record, to be accepted mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, right after the hearing, after they accepted his evidence, Schumer goes out and calls it mindless garbage, right. and Amy Klobuchar calls it disinformation. But the point is this, though. The the, um, uh, the the what it, what it did was you couldn't tell if somebody was a left winger or a right winger because they're all wearing either plain clothes or MAGA Trump hats and, and shirts and holding banners and that kind of thing. So you can't tell. What tipped me off though was I saw two large Confederate battle flags flying on, you know, really high, and they were up at the very front by the Capitol, they were among the lead marchers. And in my 42 years of living in DC, for the most part, and, and, and the hundreds of protests I've seen, uh, since the 1980s, whenever there's been a big conservative protest, you're going to find the Confederate battle flags. And and it might be some local Southern guys who, who come up with their own flags, but the big, giant ones are put there by left-wingers to make everybody else look racist and prejudiced and so forth. And yep. when I saw that, I knew, okay, there's some type of false flag operation going on here. And in this case, the false flag was the Confederate battle flag. Well, um... See? The, the, with the other stuff, though, with the MAGA guys, you know, everyone was friendly with each other, except for these small groups of guys, and mo- many of them had red hats on backwards, the, as if that was a that was some sort of a, a sign that they were part of an organized group that was not there to peacefully protest. So
2: they were not MAGA, and that, and that was a, a an anti-MAGA display. Um, right now. Um, the Capitol Police report uh, did, didn't it re, didn't it confirm a, a some or a lot of what you uh, reported eventually?
7: Yeah, yes, we didn't know this at the time, but there the the Capitol Police receive um, intelligence from the FBI and the Secret Service and the Department of Homeland Security on any possible threats to the U.S. Capitol. Uh, the Capitol Police don't have their own intelligence capabilities, so they're relying on the federal authorities for all of that, and the. Then Chief of the Capitol Police, Stephen Sund, testified to Congress that uh, a couple days before January 6th, he received a, uh, a warning or information from the federal authorities that Proud Boys and Oath Keepers and Antifa would all be at the January 6th march. And indeed, when uh, when you look back on some of the Twitter accounts, you can see Antifa people recruiting others to go to the march and to be there in a large presence. So there was definitely Antifa organizing according to Antifa itself. And according to the Capitol police chief who was citing FBI and secret service and Homeland security. So when I saw it on my own, I didn't know any of this at the time, but when I saw it on my own, I said, these guys, they've got this Antifa kind of demeanor, sort of an anti-social demeanor in the, in the backward red hats. Uh, and it was just a guess, but I said, I guess they might be Antifa. I didn't know for a fact that they were, but I didn't see them do anything wrong. And, of course, Schumer and the other people took those words and said that uh, Senator Johnson and I were saying that Antifa plotted the whole thing.
2: Yeah. And we're talking to Jay Michael Waller. He's the senior analyst for strategy at the Center for Security Policy, and is, he was an eyewitness on January 6th, and he was there just to observe and take notes. And uh, so... It's been a year and a half, Michael, uh, and based on what you've seen and heard about this congressional investigation, have you changed your mind at all about what you think actually went on that day?
7: Yes, I thought it was far-fetched and kind of paranoid to say that the FBI was in any way involved in the planning and execution of the violence on January 6th. I have changed my mind, and the person who changed my mind was FBI assistant um, Executive Assistant Director for National Security, Jill Sanborn, who's known as a pretty straight shooter. And in January, she testified before the Senate Judiciary Committee, and Senator Cruz asked her multiple times, the yes or no question, was the FBI or FBI agents or FBI assets involved in any way in the planning and execution of criminal acts of violence at the Capitol on January 6th. And she repeatedly said she could not answer the question. No would have been one a simple answer. She's the one person the FBI who would know for a fact whether to say yes or no, but the fact that she could not say no really tells us something. Yeah. And then the fact that the January 6th committee is not interested in any any of that and is not interested in anything beyond what she said. They're, they're, they've ignored it. And they're not interested in guys like Wayne Epps and others out there. Yep. Or, And then you have this proud boy, the head of the Proud Boys, who was an FBI asset, and now he's being prosecuted. So he, you know that's what he gets for being for, <laughs> yeah. that, But he was an asset who, who he was apprehended right before, uh, a day or two before the January 6th events. But he was still an FBI asset, and those were his people he put out there at the Capitol, yeah, there
2: were five members so of the really Proud Boys were indicted on charges of seditious conspiracy yesterday, and right. and, and so who are these guys?
7: The, the Proud Boys is a group of uh, Oh,
2: I know <laughs> the group, but I mean these these particular five guys.
7: Um, one of them, Enrique, oh, his last name is Station right now. His first name Enrique. He was uh, he's the head of the Proud Boys, mm-hmm. or was at the time. He was. Uh, arrested coming into D.C. from Reagan National Airport, and he reportedly had two uh, pistol magazines on his person that were uh, illegal to carry into D.C. And, well, how convenient that was once we learned that he was indeed an FBI informant for years, how convenient that they sort of bag him on something while he's coming in. It wasn't even at the airport. So how do they know to follow him How did they know when he would be arriving? And then how did they know to search him and his person and his belongings and find those two pistol magazines and then and then keep him out of D.C. for that whole time? It's almost like the FBI was protecting their own asset. We don't know. Yeah. Well, we're talking to, you know, one of many, many questions here. There's tons of questions.
2: We're talking to J. Michael Waller, finishing up here. He's the senior analyst for strategy at the Center for Security Policy. So um, what do you expect from the Democrats Thursday night? What are we going to see?
7: It's a big show. They put it on prime time. I mean, on a Thursday night, there's nothing's going on at the Capitol on Thursday nights because Thursday afternoon is when they all leave to go back to their districts for their long weekends. So they're picking Thursday night at prime time and they hire a a famous talking head from TV to handle all this so that the average American, right, the average stupid American, right, can understand all of this. And then they're going to go through their very one-sided version of what happened. And they're going to show some very dramatically edited, dramatically produced videos, some of which we have not seen before, selectively edited to show whatever narrative it was that they want to support.
2: And um, do you think they'll change minds, or will they, will the people? Yeah, well,
7: I think yeah, I think they'll change minds because some of the some of the footage is supposed to be, you know, Once you, once once you see a one sided, uh, selected, professionally edited and produced video, it can't help but change people's minds. But I think most people's minds, even if they don't know what to think, they do know that something really stinks. And they do know that if if the January 6th committee is not interested in people like Wayne Epps and is not interested when the number three person in the FBI refuses to answer whether the FBI was involved in the criminal act of violence, uh, they, they know that something's wrong and something stinks. And here's another thing, too. One of the lead members of the January 6th commission, Congressman Jamie Raskin, I mentioned before, yeah. his father, Marcus Raskin, was a Soviet agent. During That's the nice. Cold War, he ran a group to, it called the Institute for Policy Studies, which was pushing Soviet active measures and propaganda and disinformation here. A totally controlled Soviet agent. And Congressman Raskin still defends his father and what his father did.
2: Well, hey, hey, Michael, like,
7: I love my father and he made a mistake. No, no, no. My father did a great. He was a great progressive leader.
2: Hey, I'm out of time, Michael. I'm right up against it. I really appreciate you coming on. I'll be interested to see what happens Thursday night. Thank you.
7: Okay, me too. Talk to you later,
2: John. Okay, we'll be right back. Well, as you know, our friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of their lives. And he didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow. Now, Mike has done it again by introducing his My Slippers. This is John Steigerwald. For a limited time, you can save $90 on a pair of My Slippers, and this blowout sale of the year is not going to last long, so order now. Mike has taken over two years to develop. The My Slippers are designed to wear indoor and out all day long. They're made with My Pillow Foam and Impact Gel to help prevent fatigue, and they're made with quality leather suede. Call 1 800 716 8087 and use the promo code STAG or Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use promo code STAG. Again, this offer will not last long, so order now with promo code STAG at MyPillow.com.
0: For the
3: best night's sleep in the whole wide
0: world, visit MyPillow.com
8: vegetables are integral to any healthy diet. But why do so few Americans actually eat the recommended servings of produce every day? Because it can be difficult to prepare that much produce daily. Even processes like juicing leave out pulp and other parts of the produce that are dense in nutrients you need to stay healthy. Balance of Nature is the best way you can get all of the recommended servings of fruits and vegetables every day without eating a mountain of produce. By taking Balance of Nature, you are giving your body all the nutrients it needs to increase your cell's vitality. Get the nutrition that can only be found in whole, natural fruits and vegetables by calling 1-800-246-8751 right now. And don't forget to get 35% off your first order as a preferred customer by using discount code BALANCE.
0: The John Steigerwald Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, I don't know about you, but I, uh, I'll i be watching
2: Tucker Carlson Thursday night at 8 o'clock. Um, I have, uh, I, I just, this the whole uh, January 6th thing just bores me to tears. Um, I don't think it was anything close to what the people on the left would like you to believe, like us to believe, uh, that it was an insurrection. Uh, and if you just heard uh, J. Michael Waller, he was there, he's trained to, to um, observe that stuff, and he came up with his observations and his conclusions before watching anything on the media. He just went, he looked, he took notes, he went back and wrote down what he saw and came up with his conclusions. But here's the thing. The people who are putting this show on Thursday night, these are the same people who for two years um, were pushing a conspiracy, a, a, a a hoax that Donald Trump had been um, colluding with the Russians and they knew that it wasn't true. That's all come out. Sussman didn't get convicted, but everybody knows what was going on and that they, they took this information that they knew to be false and they pushed it and pushed it and pushed it uh, only because they thought that there was no way they could lose And then after they did lose, they just wanted to destroy Trump's presidency. Why would anybody believe anything that these people have to say now, from Chuck Schumer to uh, Nancy Pelosi to anybody in the uh, CNN, MSNBC crowd? Why would you believe anything they have to say on this subject? I don't, I won't, and I won't watch. I'll talk to you tomorrow.
0: The John Staggerwald Show is a production of The Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military.
1: Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its
0: funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn...